What's up, guys? Welcome to or back to the show. Thank you so much for clicking on today's episode. I hope that you guys are having a great week. I am currently kind of taking a little bit of a social media detox. It's been kind of weird for me, but I haven't posted on Instagram in like a week. So I promise that I haven't gone MIA, but I just very much needed to like take some steps back and just chill and relax. And part of my relaxation week actually included a cool conversation with today's podcast episode, Jacqueline. So I'm super pumped for you guys to hear all the cool things that she has to say. Jacqueline is a writer, a speaker, a content creator whose number one mission is to help women create lives that they love. And Jacqueline reached out to me actually to record for her podcast, Spark Your Light. So that episode went up on Monday and then I decided to host her on 8020 because our conversation was just that good. I knew that I needed to bring it to you all as well. Jacqueline has a really cool perspective on failure. She gives tangible action steps to help you overcome failure. We also chatted about mindset shifts during your 20s and how to really maximize these pivotal years of your life. Overall, she's just a really cool gal to talk to. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome Jacqueline to 8020. So I was listening to some of your podcast episodes today, just, I guess, in preparation for this episode. You're the type of person that's, you know, if you scroll your Instagram, if you read your blogs, I subscribe to your newsletter. It was like doing all the things and having a conversation with you is a very sincere reflection of who you are online and offline. Um, so I know that my listeners are really going to just love all the good content that we have to talk about today. Thank you. That is the best compliment in the world. I feel like when someone meets you in real life and tells you like, oh my gosh, you're just like your content. It's like, I'm doing a good job. I'm being genuine. I'm being myself. I'm showing up. And that's Absolutely. my goal. Absolutely. I was reading a book the other day and she was talking about how there's a public version of her and there's a private version of her. And obviously you can't put everything about yourself online and make it public. But I think as long as your private and public versions mirror each other, that's a really good sign. Enough about me. Let's talk a little bit about you. So tell me about your childhood, your teen years. Were you always interested in personal development? Was it something that kind of came over time? I love this question. I barely ever get asked this and I feel like it's so important. The most pivotal thing in my entire childhood, if I had to sum up like one thing that made the biggest difference, and this is something that I take to heart because I hope to be a mom someday. And this is something that I think is so important and life-changing is that my dad, when I was probably four years old, always told me, Jacqueline, you can do anything you set your mind to. I would be just like wanting to, I don't know, like do a cartwheel. And he'd be like, you can do it because you can do anything you set your mind to. And then as I got older, it became bigger things. And I started to have bigger ambitions. And I've always had this really strong self-belief in myself. And I noticed as I was growing up that other people didn't. And I thought that was really interesting. And I didn't know where it came from because I didn't understand about our brains and where confidence comes from and all these things that I have learned over the years. I just knew that I had something inside of me that believed that I was special and unique. But actually, I'm not special and unique as much as I am. And that's not to put myself down in any way. It's to say like, we all are special and unique and we all can do anything that we set our minds to. So I was always super ambitious. I was always very positive. I think nature versus nurture is super interesting. I don't know the answers. I'm very curious about it. I do know that we can change our identity at any age. So if you don't believe that you can do anything you set your mind to, you can become the kind of person who believes that, which is amazing. But I'm not sure about being positive and being interested in things. I think some of it is nature. And I think that we have career paths and 
just things are meant to do in our lives and we're given those gifts. So I think I was given a gift of being interested in just feeling good and positive things. I think I was given a gift of using my voice in eighth grade. I got most talkative in the yearbook. I was a little embarrassed. I was like, oh, it's such an embarrassing one. Everyone thinks I'm annoying, but now it's a great skill to have in my career. And yeah, so I've, I've always been somewhat interested, but it wasn't until I experienced so much failure and just felt so worthless and lost and filled with shame that I really dove deep into personal development. So you mentioned failure. Let's talk about some of those failures. Yeah, I would love to. It's something that I just feel isn't talked about very often or it's glazed over in the story. It's like, oh, and I putzed around and failed a little bit and now I'm so successful. And this is the key. This is the story. The story is not what I do now. The story is this. So I just want to put that out there for anyone who maybe is afraid to fail or maybe is in a failure. It is the most important part and it's not to be glazed over, but it is hard when you're in it. It's really hard. So for me, I was in my junior year of college and I landed my dream internship. I was going to work in corporate marketing And what was really interesting about the internship is I liked it. I think most people expect me to say when I tell this story that, oh, I hated it and I needed to get out immediately, but I actually enjoyed it. I felt like I was at 80. I always use this example 80. And it's so funny that this is 80, 20. I felt like I was at 80, but 20 was missing. That's exactly how I felt. No way. And yeah, and I've used that example for years, like before I ever knew about your show. So I think it's so cool. It's totally meant to be told on this podcast. But the 20 was really important. And I knew something was missing. So I would drive home from my internship every day that summer. And I would just think, you know, when you're in the car, you're driving, you get a lot of time to yourself. And this was the first time in my life that I heard my intuition very strongly and very clearly. And It was almost like a voice, but it was my voice. It's not like I heard like God speaking to me or something crazy. Just my voice in my head saying, you need to start a business. And I was like, okay, but I don't have any business ideas. So I opened a notebook and I would just write down an idea every day. And I did this for about a month. And then I realized that if I just kept writing down ideas, I would never start. And I would just keep being the person who wanted to start a business but I wanted to be the person who had a business. So I picked an arbitrary deadline, a date that was just random, that meant nothing to me, and decided that on that date, I was going to pick an idea and start. And it didn't matter what the idea was. And I think there was a lot of value in that. I will say I probably could have researched my ideas better and had a little more understanding of what would set me up for success. But I think that what was more important at the time was that I start it instead of waiting for the right time. Because as we know, there's never a right time. So I started and my first idea was to build these plates that encourage more balanced eating because I struggled with binge eating in college and really had an incredibly unhealthy relationship with food. And I had overcome that. And something that really helped was eating all the food groups and not restricting my body. And that helped me not binge. And so I wanted to teach that to other people in the format of a plate that they could eat off of, except I didn't want it to be ugly, like how those like portion plates are where they have like different cutouts. I wanted to be a pretty design. So my mother-in-law who at the time was my boyfriend's mom 
is an artist. So she painted this like beautiful pineapple and then I turned it into a graphic design. It was these beautiful pineapples. I still eat off them today, but unfortunately they were an epic failure. No one wanted them except my family and friends. The product had a lot of problems. I learned so many things that I could do a whole episode on like product 101, what works, what doesn't work, testing your ideas. And I actually teach an entrepreneurship class at Penn State about testing your ideas. It's called Idea Test Lab. Anyways, um, I won't get into that because it'll be a huge distraction, but I learned a lot and I quickly realized that it wasn't working and I didn't want to stay in the thing that wasn't working. I think that quote is something like the definition of insanity is doing the same Mm -hmm. thing over and over again and expecting different results. Don't know who said it, but I knew that I didn't want to do that. And I like to say that the first failure was the easy one. I think that our society has done somewhat of a good job at teaching that failure is normal. And when you're young and when you're new at something, you fail. It's like when you're a freshman in college, people kind of let you off easy. You do something and they're like, oh, that's a, you're a freshman. It's okay. You'll get it next Jacqueline, time. you know, what's insane. Not to totally cut you off. No, that, please. Is, that is like literally the premise of the episode that's going up tomorrow. That's crazy oh that you just said that. I oh my God. have you're some weird so like, intuition going on. So like from the same shelf. Anyway, sorry, not to totally cut you off, but I had to share. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So So exactly that, when you're a senior and you do the same thing, there's all this judgment and it's no longer okay. And so I felt the same thing with failure. My first failure, it kind of felt okay. It kind of felt like I had a lot of people encouraging me and telling me it was okay. Pick yourself back up. All entrepreneurs fail before they're successful. But then I failed again. And the second time I tried to build an app, I raised money on Kickstarter. I wanted to turn this whole concept of balance and wellness for young women into an app, which I thought was a genius idea at the time, but I had no idea. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And another quote about entrepreneurship that I love is, if you knew how hard it was going to be, you probably wouldn't do it. I think that's hilarious and kind of true. And I still would totally do it because it's worth it on the other side. But it was hard and I did not know what I was doing. And the app ended up being an epic failure. I hired college student developers because that's all I could afford with the money I raised. It didn't work. It was crashing. It had bugs. We ran a beta test with hundreds of women and they were all messaging me saying the app doesn't work. And then I was at this again, crossroads of what do I do? My apps failed. And this time the failure was really hard. This time I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like there was something wrong with me. I felt like this was a sign from the universe that it wasn't meant for me, that I need to take a different path, that I was on the wrong path. But failure is never a sign to give up. Failure is a sign to keep going because the exact lessons that you need to achieve the goal that you've set are in the failure. And the reason, the only reason that you haven't achieved the goal yet is because you haven't learned those lessons yet. And so it's like the analogy I always give in my speeches is you are climbing a mountain and you pray to God, to the universe, to whatever you believe in, please help me climb this mountain. And so God comes down and is like, okay. And then God's looking at you and is like, oh no, her legs are not strong enough. She physically cannot make it to the top of this mountain. What am I going to do? She asked for help. I have to help her. Okay. I got it. 
I devised a plan. I'm going to put her in this deep valley in the middle of the mountain. And inside the valley, there's going to be a series of ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And every time she goes up just a little bit, her legs are going to get stronger. And then she's going to be able to recover and then do it again. And by the end of the valley, she's going to be strong enough and she can make it to the top of the mountain. And God is so happy cheering you on. And then you get to the valley and you're like, WTF, I am. I told you I want to get to the top of the mountain. And why am I in this valley? I'm going backwards. This is the opposite of what I wanted. And you turn around and you stop climbing the mountain. And God's like, I literally gave you what you asked for. That is what failure is. And I didn't know it at the time. I felt so lost, so down, so confused. But I did keep going. I don't know why I kept going. Or I didn't know why then. I know why now. But at the time, I just focused on taking the next step. And that was the key for me of getting out of it. So if anyone's listening and they're in a failure or just resiliency 101 is one foot in front of the other, focus on just the next step. And when you do, the next step after that will reveal itself to you. So you you don't have to see the whole road. You just have to see that next step. Last thing I want to share here is when I gave my TED talk, I decided that I wanted to write about that moment of when I could have given up but I didn't. And I wanted to understand why I kept going and why other people give up. And I was so blessed to have my old journals because I am a crazy journaler and I write down everything. And I went back and I read my old journal entries from that time in my life. And they were filled with a lot of pain. It's really hard to read them, but there was something really interesting, a theme that I noticed. And in all of the pain, there were a few glimmers of hope It was things like, this is so hard and I want to quit so badly, but I know that if I keep going, I'll eventually be successful. Things like that. And I realized that courage isn't about being fearless, even though that's a message we're often taught to be fearless. And Taylor Swift, I love you. I love that song, but it is actually not the truth of being a human. Instead, courage is about having just a little bit more self-belief than fear. So at the time, I really didn't have a lot of self-belief. A lot of that self-belief tank that I had when I was a kid sort of got diminished and I questioned everything I believed about myself because I had so much evidence in my life that I was a failure. But I had just enough that it was a little bit more than the fear. And so that's the reason I could take the next step. And I didn't need enough self-belief to take the next 10 steps, just that next one step. And then I just kept doing it over and over and over and over again for years and years and years and years until eventually I built so much self-belief that I just felt happy and confident. You guys probably already know this by now, but I am obsessed with my morning routine. One piece of my morning routine that is absolutely critical, it's a micro habit, is taking AG1 by Athletic Greens. My whole philosophy is to work smarter, not necessarily harder, and AG1 was literally designed with ease in mind so you can live a healthier life without having to jump through a ton of hoops. AG1 is just one scoop of powder into water every day. I give it a shake and I drink it. It's got this mild tropical taste, And the all-in-one formula makes it really easy for me to cover my nutritional basis. It's kind of like nutritional insurance. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that have major benefits. I've definitely seen a huge boost in my mood, my gut health, 
and even healthier looking hair, skin, and nails. So if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash 8020. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash 8020. Check it out. So for someone who is in that valley, first off, I love that analogy. I've never heard it put that way before, but you should write a children's book because the imagery in that was beautiful. But for someone who is in a valley right now, and you kept talking about the next step out of failure, what do you think is a good next step for someone who's literally rock bottom in the the pit of failure? What's a good next step or even next three steps? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because I think in our minds, we think that the next step should be like solving the failure, like solving the problem. Like uh, this thing didn't work out, whether it's a breakup or a job or a business idea. And you think that you have to figure out who you're going to date next or what job you're going to take next or like how you're going to fix your business. But I remember the day that I really realized that my plates were not going anywhere and it was time to let it go. And I was in my grandmother's garage because that's where I had my plates stored because I didn't have obviously a warehouse or anything. And she kindly allowed me to store them there. And I was sitting on the floor crying and I thought to myself, okay, what do I do next? And I remember I said, do your laundry. I know it sounds ridiculous, but the truth is take care of yourself. I hadn't done laundry. I hadn't done basic things like go for a walk to take care of my mental health because I was feeling so down and so sad and so stuck. And so the next step wasn't devising another business idea. The next step was just do my laundry. And then I did that. And then it was like, take a shower. And then I did that. And it was go for a walk. And then it was maybe a little bit of reading. And then it was maybe some journaling. And through the journaling, I was able to start to release some of the emotion. It's really important that we process our emotions and don't just carry them with us, that we actually allow them to physically leave our body. And so I do a lot of that through journaling, through movement, through physically letting it out, crying, talking about it, right? We don't want to wallow, but we also don't want to just have it pent up inside of us. So I did all of that. And then when I was feeling a little bit better, I was able to then start with the next step after all those things, which was something related to the failure, which was, okay, how do I pay these bills? Okay. What kind of income do I need to, to just get these basic things taken care of? Okay. What are some possible ideas of what I can do next? And something I want to mention here that just supports this concept that I love and that I live by is Abraham Hicks emotional guidance scale. So it's a scale of our emotions from really high level emotions that are high vibration to really low level emotions that are really low vibration. And something that Abraham Hicks teaches is that it's almost impossible to skip steps. So to go from a really low emotion to a really high emotion in one movement is almost humanly impossible. But what is actually pretty doable is to slowly climb the scale. And so something that's really interesting is there's many negative emotions, but on the scale, some of them are much lower than others. So feeling 
like you're a victim and like you're stuck and you're just so desperate is much lower than feeling disappointed. And so it would be actually a positive step to go from that really, really low desperation to disappointment. And then from there, you might be able to come to neutrality and then maybe boredom. And then from boredom, maybe there's a glimmer of hope. And then eventually you might get to gratitude, but it won't be in a split second. It will be over time. And it it can happen fast, actually. Like you can choose one thought that leads to another thought that leads to another thought. And you've maybe seen this in your life where you have a day where you're like spiraling on the good and you're like, oh my gosh, like this thing happened and this thing and this thing. And you've also seen it the other way where you're spiraling on the bad, this one thing, and then you brought down and then you got lower and lower and lower and lower. So we think that that's life just happening to us and that we're not in control of that. But the truth is we are in control of our thoughts or at least the thoughts we give attention to. Sometimes we're going to have thoughts that come up that are not supporting us. And it's not realistic to think that all of our thoughts are going to be positive and that's not the goal here. But the goal is to direct your energy and attention to thoughts that make you feel good, to thoughts that are climbing that scale. So when you are in that failure and when you are taking those steps, maybe check in with yourself and ask yourself like, what emotion am I feeling? And this goes back to what you were saying on my podcast. Oh my gosh, full circle. So Lily and I were talking on my podcast and she was telling me about Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, and how she helps you identify your emotions. So that would be an amazing book at this moment where you could figure out what am I feeling and then be able to climb that scale. I've actually never heard of, you said Abram Hicks emotional scale. That's what it's called. Emotional guidance scale or emotional, emotional guidance, guidance system. Scale. I think it's called okay. both. The emotional guidance system is like the way to manage your emotions and the scale itself is the scale. Okay. I need to look that up. I feel like I need that in my life. Do you know Abram um, Hicks? Yeah, no, I feel like okay. I've yeah, I'm I'm familiar, but um like I've heard the name tossed down, but I've never yeah. heard of the emotional guidance skill. That's super I cool. I highly recommend all their books, audiobooks especially, they're great. One thing that I kind of want to circle back to is journaling. So yeah. my people love journaling. I talk about it on the podcast, and every time I get, you know, what journal do you use? What prompts do you use? How do you journal? How do you make it a habit? I guess in a few steps, what is your journaling routine? Yeah, I love it. So I've been journaling consistently every morning, Monday to Friday, and probably 70% of the time also on the weekends for probably like five years now. And it's a really easy habit because it feels so good. So all habits, as you know, and maybe talked about on here is is a cue, the habit itself and the reward. And so with journaling, the reward is that it feels so good that I don't need any other reward. I just love it and feel so good afterwards. My actual journaling process has changed many times over the years. And when I first started for anyone listening, who's maybe like, I want to journal or I don't have a consistent habit. Maybe I have journaled, but then I stopped. And then I started again. I started really, really small. And I recommend this for all new habits, start with a mini habit. So I would do the five things I'm grateful for. And that was it. And I would do the past 24 hours. I heard this somewhere years ago that if you write down specifically things that happened in the past 24 hours, then it can train your brain to see the good in each day as opposed to just seeing the good big things in your life, which helps you create more joy in daily life, which is ultimately the goal. So that is huge. And that's something that I've continued to do every single morning. I've never stopped doing that. And it's so powerful. And I've just added onto that. And in different seasons of my life, I do different things. I think that's important. I think we're seasonal beings. I think that just like the seasons of the year, there's winter and there's spring. I think that we need different things at different times. And so I'm really 
in touch with myself and what I need and what's inspiring me and what feels good to me. So I'll share my current routine, which is I, then I write down affirmations and I, I do affirmations about my character. They're sort of like value-based affirmations. So who do I want to be? What do I feel is important to who I am? So I actually have an affirmations wall in my office and it's just these, um, these sticky, like fake whiteboards. I'm calling them fake because it's like, it's like a roll that you buy on Amazon. You just cut them. And so I have them all over my office, a bunch of different things that I write different things on. And so, um, on my affirmations wall, it says, I am kind. I am driven. I am committed. I am resilient. I am present. I am grateful. I am helpful. I'm inspiring. I'm smart. I am resourceful. I'm qualified. I'm talented. I am capable. I am beautiful. I am respectful. I am confident and I am humble. So those were ones I originally created feeling like those were a perfect picture of who I wanted to be and who I choose to be every day. I don't write all of them every day because it feels more like a chore to like go back and look at them. And I don't like things that feel like chores. So instead I just write ones that I'm feeling connected to that day, like that I want to kind of set my intention for the day on. I also write anything I'm manifesting, or sometimes I'll write my goals in an identity statement. So another I am, but like I have on my other whiteboard, I am a number one New York Times bestselling author with my book sold in Barnes and Noble, Target and airport bookstores. So that's helping me identify with the future version of myself that I want to be. And the more I can see myself that way, the more I'm going to bridge the gap between where I am now and where I want to go because identity is what creates our thoughts and our thoughts creates our actions and our actions creates our circumstances. So I really believe in that like brain rewiring and how important it is and how helpful it is to achieve your goals. So I always try to connect with that. And then I write down my agenda for the day and what I want to focus on. I really believe in it doesn't matter what you do with your time. It doesn't matter if you want to scroll social media, if you want to take the day off from work, or if you want to hustle your brains out for 12 hours. What matters is that you decide ahead of time and are intentional with it. Because every time I'm not, I feel really bad afterwards. And so I'm just really intentional. And I also allow myself to change that agenda in real time, but I'm really intentional about it. The other thing that I will say is, in addition to that, I journal in real time when I'm struggling, which comes up often. So sometimes this is part of my morning practice. Sometimes I'll do it before I even start gratitude because I can't think straight because there's something on my mind. Sometimes I'll do it after, or I might take out my journal in the middle of my day because I'm spinning on something. I'm stuck. I'm frustrated. And I just free write. I don't have prompts. I just, I let out everything that's inside of me first. And then once I've let it out, I, I guess if I were to prompt myself, it kind of comes intuitively, but I probably would say something like, how can I see this differently? I'm curious. What's one possible solution? The curious energy, the how can I energy always helps me shift after I've released the heavy emotions. So it's definitely my number one tool for processing emotions, as well as coming up with solutions that support me in my life. It's interesting that you brought up solutions because I was uh, listening to a podcast the other day and the host recommended that you just ask yourself for a little bit more in your writing and it's insane what happens when you just write, you know, one more paragraph or one more sentence or, you know, one more potential solution in your case, what can come of that? You never know what ideas, what, you know, philosophies for life could come out of that. So just kind of going like a little bit deeper in your journaling is really, really cool. 
Yeah. I love that. And something I do sometimes that you reminded me of is sometimes I will do a brainstorm for a specific amount of time on something I'm struggling with. So I'll set the timer. I'll be like, I'm going to brainstorm for 10 minutes and I won't allow myself to stop early. So if I don't have anything else to write, I'll just like sit there and think, and usually more stuff will come up. And it's awesome because your brain knows that it's going to end. So you don't have to be like, how long do I have to do this for? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you've set the timer. It's done. The decision's done. And usually you come up with a lot of really good ideas. You have done a lot from your early 20s, early college to now. Can you speak to a little bit about how much has changed from your early 20s to now? So much has changed. And I always say that I wish I could take my brain now and put it as early as possible, even college. The first thing that I think is really relevant and important and ironic is that my mindset has shifted from a short-term focus to a long-term focus. And the reason I think it's ironic is because I have less time in my life. So turning 28 next month, when I was 20, I had eight more years ahead of me, yet I was so focused on tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. And now I make decisions for 10 years from now, for 20 years from now. I guess it's maybe maturity, but I wish that I would have been able to adapt a long-term mindset when I was younger because I made a lot of really bad decisions that were just not supportive at all. They were just distractions. I almost threw away the time. I wanted to save the time so badly and be somewhere that I wasn't that I actually ended up like wasting the time on things that were not in alignment with the long-term vision of my life, just so I could get a quick win or a quick fix of something. So that was really big. And another thing that shifted with my mindset, and I think this actually allowed me to adopt a more long-term mindset is I have goals and I feel happy and enough exactly where I am today. I don't feel like I need to be anywhere else. I am excited about my goals, but I don't feel like I need to be there now. I just enjoy the process of pursuing them. I know I'm going to get there eventually. And I love every day and I live a life that I enjoy. And I have this philosophy, change it or choose it. So it's not that you have to settle for things you don't like in your life. If you're truly not happy with something, change it. And if you're not willing to change it, choose it. How can you shift your thoughts and get behind it? And I've done both. In many instances, there have been things that I hate it. And somehow I had a different perspective on it through journaling, through coaching, through all kinds of shifts I've made. And now I enjoy those things. It's very odd. And then other things I just didn't feel were aligned for me. And I changed them. I let them go. I made hard decisions. I made decisions that were going to require me to put myself out there or be uncomfortable or work a lot of hours or do all kinds of things that I had to do on this journey, but they were worth it because I didn't like that other thing. So just learning to be happy now and get off that happiness treadmill has been amazing. And if I could bottle that up and give it to everyone in the entire world, I would. So the average age of my listener is 22. So what would you tell your 22 year old self? Mm. If you could give her one piece of advice? Yeah. I'm going to put myself back in 22. So at 22, I was one year out of college and my app was failing and I felt like just a complete failure. I would tell myself, you are enough. You are going to figure it out. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. And you're only going to be 22 once. So enjoy it. Stop feeling like you need to have it figured out. Stop feeling like you need to be this person 
who's a decade older. Of course, when you're a decade older, you're going to know more about your career and you're going to have more money and all these things, but you're not going to be 22 anymore. So just trust that the same way that everything in your life up until this point has worked out, even things that felt crappy at the time and then later worked out better and you realized, oh, that thing felt crappy, but actually it worked out in my favor. That's happening right now too. You just don't know it yet. So have faith, enjoy the present moment and work on yourself, work on loving every day, work on changing what you need to change in your daily routine to feel good. Take care of yourself, prioritize yourself. When you take care of you, everything else will flow from there. Well, thank you, Jacqueline, so much for joining me on the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. I could talk to you for hours. I know we literally could talk for hours. So where can the listeners find you? Yeah. My podcast is called Spark Your Light and I am on TikTok and Instagram and everywhere else. Jacqueline T. Gallo. Love it. And then where can the listeners find your books? Because you have two, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Amazon. And my books are under Jacqueline DiGregorio, which is my maiden name. But you can find them if you go to my website, JacquelineGallo.com. I'll have it all linked in the show notes for you guys too. 